You're listening to the Filmmaker Happy Hour on XRFM, FM, KXRY Portland, an interview show that talks with filmmakers and film festival directors about the state of cinema in Oregon. On this episode of the Filmmaker Happy Hour, we speak with filmmaker and impact manager Kanani Koster. It's Phil Bussey. It is the Filmmaker Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. Kanani Koster is a prof- busy professional filmmaker uh, who, among other things, helps run a film camp for kids. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing good today. I, I'm very busy, as you said. So. <laughs> let's let's start with Collective Eye Films. So Acquisitions and Impact Manager. Mm-hmm. Um, Collective Eye Film, from, from, from what I know, and you know much better, um, creates documentaries and makes sure that they have uh, a, an impact. A little bit. So we're a distribution company. Um, so we don't usually get too involved in the production of films. Um, most of it is finding films through festivals and giving them an educational distribution, usually working with public libraries and universities and other third-party streaming apps like Canopy and Alexander Street Press. Um, but my main job is an impact manager for the for the company. And so that means I do kind of create grassroots marketing campaigns that are really focused on getting the film out to communities that wouldn't normally have funding to see the film. And now now this is a dated reference, but Queen of the Sun was, mm-hmm. a, uh, I mean, maybe more than a decade ago, I believe. And um, about the bee colony collapse. And I, I was in Wisconsin where I grew up at the time and Queen of the Sun came around and it was like kind of like a rock concert because they, I believe the producer was there. Uh, they gave us a, a speech before the movie. I mean, it really made it uh, that distinction between just sitting down on your sofa and watching a movie and, and actually interacting with it. Yeah. And I think that's those that foundation that Collectivize started on. It was co- it was founded by Taggart Siegel, who's like a local Portland environmental documentary filmmaker. Um, And yeah, seeing those types of screening events that really are more community-based, that really brings it to communities that are excited about the film, uh, makes all the difference in the type of screening event you can have. And that's something that we try to bring into the impact events that we, we create and put on as well. Can you talk to us about a project you're doing right now? And, and, and um, how do you know what audience you're trying to reach? And how do you figure about um, for lack of a better way of saying it, like how to hit the right buttons. For sure. Yeah, the one I had a very large meeting today with um, Ricky and Abby, who are the directors or the director and producer team for The Business of Birth Control, which is a new film that came out last year. It hit Doc NYC. And so I'm going to be their impact manager and producer for that film. And it's a really brilliant film. I love the documentary. And it's really talking about the history of birth control and how how important it was to women's lives and their rights, but also a lot of the pitfalls that have come with it and like the lack of testing or the lack of studies that have been done on it. And um, just looking at birth control as a whole and how important it is and how it's okay to keep pushing for better birth control. I think right now we kind of are in this mentality where it's like, it's good enough. We should just be grateful for what we have. And we can't really critique and discuss it as much as we should, because there are some side effects that come with it. Um, And 
you know, it kind of looks at Planned Parenthood as well. And the founder there who, who's a very important woman when it comes to women's rights, but also is a little problematic in terms of how she's dealt with uh, black women and other women of color and her lack of support historically in that area. And, you know, I, I think it's a brilliant film in that terms and coming up with the impact campaign and kind of working with the filmmakers has been important and thinking about the types of partners we're gonna we're gonna have to work with because it's such a sensitive topic. Um, my background, even before filmmaking has really been focused on community action. I've even like worked as um, a medical assistant at an abortion clinic many, many years ago. Um, so like I have a lot of friends and colleagues who still are working in that sphere. And it's it's been cool to kind of like reach back out to them, find ways to see how we can put on a screening together that is helpful for them, but also helpful for the, the filmmaking team as well. So, and you've worked both with Seattle International Film Festival and Northwest Film Center, which mm -hmm. I know has a new name now. Damn cut. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And those, I really love those organizations and they kind of gave me a lot of background and uh, I've always worked in the marketing, but because my mission and my personal mission has always been like community advocacy and like really supporting the community. I always am able to kind of bring that into the marketing roles I've taken on. I, I don't feel like I'm a very good salesperson in the traditional sense where I'm like, buy this used car. Um, I really like to think that yeah, there's, there's themes of social justice that I bring to any job that I do. And I don't, I don't ever like to come to an organization who I especially know is doing the work, but they maybe don't have a lot of funding or money traditionally and kind of finding ways to like, make sure that I, if I'm like working for SIF at the time, I was like, is this actually equitable? Like, yeah, I know we want these like Ethiopian moms to come to this Ethiopian film that we're showing, but like a lot of these moms don't actually drive. So are, are we able to like get a partnership with um, the public transit so we can at least offer like bus tickets or something along those lines, uh, those lines. So that's a big part of how I look at how we're coming into those impact screenings as well. I mean, and, and I mean, isn't that what marketing, I mean, that's in an ideal world, right? I mean, you're yeah. actually thinking of these people as, as people and in terms of lifestyle and in terms of uh, interests and challenges. Mm -hmm. It's a big part of it. And I think I have hope that things are changing for the better. And it seems to be at least a conversation we're willing to have in those marketing meetings now. So that's that's nice to see. And and now I feel like we, we jumped into this conversation. We've talked about your impact manager role at Collective Eye. We've talked about marketing. Um, but you're making films. I mean, you're making films at like a really um, brisk rate, which is fantastic. So uh, 2020 Oregon made film grant winner for a docu short, any given, any Oregon sunny Sunday. Um, 2020 Portland Art Museum reimagined artist. Um, I, I mean, about two films a year. Is that sound about that, right? That sounds about right, which is a lot when you think about it. Um, so I've definitely come up as a filmmaker. I used to like just do it on my phone and it's been a very long journey figuring out how to actually like work with amazing collaborators and like just understanding the very small scope that I used to work on and like the big ideas I had that kind of didn't turn out to look very good because I wasn't able, I didn't have collaborators at the time. And it's just been a really cool journey to see 
and build my own community within the film space. And like, you know, now I have collaborators who I'm always working with. Um, all of those films that you just listed basically are like, I always work with the same art director, Janie Faison, who's like one of my best friends here in Portland. She's also a motion graphics designer for like thesis agency. Um, and then of course my like go-to DP is Jasmine Carsey, who's like currently living in LA, but she is flying up like in two weeks to like shoot a music video with me. And she just always makes the time. And, you know, just finding those people who are always willing to support me and then finding ways that I can support them back, whether they have projects that they want to work on and I can support them as best I can. Scott Brout too is another friend of mine who always is working on art department on my stuff too. And he's an amazing documentary filmmaker. He's working on a feature called Dear Doris that I'm going to produce for him. And that's been like three years in the making. We've gone to Arizona and 120 degrees heat to like get um, interviews with amazing famous drag queens and um, San Francisco too we've driven down there to get interviews from amazing people so it's busy but it's just all about like supporting one another oh my goodness this is like trying to lasso a tornado all right um <laughs> let's let's um let's pick one thing let's talk about um tell me what any Oregon Sunday is and and explain that to our listeners yeah, Any Oregon Sunday is a 15-minute short film. We won the Oregon Made Travel Grant for $20,000 uh, two years ago, 2020. Oh, wow, that was two years ago. Um, but basically, the whole proposal was we wanted to focus on women identifying uh motorcycle riders in Oregon and we wanted to kind of show the different types of motorcycle riding there is I grew up uh and my dad rode motorcycles my whole family did and so I was forced to ride a dirt bike growing up and I wasn't very good and I didn't particularly enjoy it but I liked the idea of like being together as a family um so it was kind of a cool proposal to kind of come up with and and then kind of go back and like relearn all those things, but enjoy it on the back end of the camera. So I didn't actually have to get on a bike again. Um, but yeah, we focused on Kylie Sweeten, who is a trials bike rider and she's like a championship winner. Like she like just went to like Portugal or Spain right before we shot the film. And she is, she's amazing. She's so cool. And you know, trials bike riding is basically it's not like a race. It's uh, all about like keeping your feet on the pegs of your, on your dirt bike as you're kind of riding across rocks and boulders and logs. Um, so we focused on her. Then we focused on Jada Noriyuki, who's like a local Portland based uh, or maybe Bend now uh, street rider also does dirt. She kind of does it recreationally and just like hangs out with friends. And I kind of thought it was really important to kind of show the gambit of these types of women writers. There are people who do it professionally. There are people who do it on the weekend and it's just like a really cool, relaxing, fun thing for them to do. Um, and then we also focused on Ashley. Oh, I feel bad. I'm forgetting her last name. Um, but Ashley is this amazing uh, race, uh, moto racer. And she's kind of very new to it, but she's already winning a lot of races. So we focused on those three riders. Our producer, Tiffany is also a local rider here and she works at Gearhead Grip. Um, and she's amazing. And we kind of had her bookend the film and we kind of just talked about the different writers there were. And that one has been a really cool documentary because it's kind of gone the farthest and out of all of my films in terms of like a life, a very complete, very full life. It's done a lot of different festivals. It just premiered, not premiered. It just showed at No Man's Land, which is in Colorado. 
Um, and now we've officially signed with uh, PBS OPB. And so it will be streaming and you can watch it anytime. I'm assuming in May it will be online. Um, and in the summer, it will also be playing at the Hollywood Theater in the Portland Airport. Oh, fantastic. That's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's really, congratulations. That's, it's, it sounds like such an appealing film. Uh, and, and then it must feel so satisfying to know that it, it takes on its own life. It does. It makes a big difference because I've had a lot of films that didn't, that don't even make it to festivals and, you know, I'll, I'll have sent it out to so many festivals and I'm like, I really love this film. How could no one else like it as much? And it's a little disappointing for the crew when that happens. Um, but, you know, any Oregon Sunday is not a story like that. And it actually got to go out into the world and it's still living and it's still going. So that makes a big difference. Instinctually, do you do you know? I mean, did you know that any Oregon Sunday would would have this life and some of those other films that you love that you you maybe hope for, mm -hmm. but you knew? Or are you throwing noodles on the wall and seeing what sticks? I think you have to be a little pragmatic. I think I'm very pragmatic as a filmmaker. I kind of knew any Oregon Sunday would be an easy kind of crowd pleaser when you know the whole concept was based on on any Sunday, which is this famous uh, doc. I think it was made in 1971. I had to watch it constantly growing up with my dad. He constantly would make us watch it on the weekend. And it's a very easy breezy California kind of like bro-y vibe about these dudes who ride motorcycles. And, you know, like thinking back on that, I was like, well, how can we make this more diverse? How we can, how can we make this more relevant to motorcycle riders today and what was missing from it when I was watching it and why didn't I enjoy it? Probably the fact that there was almost no women in it. Um, so, you know, thinking about that, I was like, I think this will, this film will definitely make it into some festivals. It's like an easy sport one, easy women focused festivals. Um, I knew I would have like a higher production quality because of the big grant we got for it. Um, but yeah, it's, it was still a surprise to see that PBS OPB was like, yeah, we'd love to take it on. And that's been cool to see that it, it got like a broadcast technically. So. Kanani Koster is a professional filmmaker uh, here in Portland and you brought in, you brought in some music to get, uh, to get us going. I did. Uh, you want to cue it up for us? Yeah. I'm going to play Aphex Twins Window Liquor. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's take a listen.
This is the Filmmaker Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm Phil Bussey. I'm talking with Kanani Koster, who is a, a multifaceted filmmaker, uh, distribution, production, directing. Um, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about your summer camp that you host. Um, before the break that we were talking about Any Oregon Sunday, uh, which is a documentary short that uh, you worked on and, and has and will be really hard, uh, fortunately hard to avoid here in a bit here. It's going to be on OPB as well as uh, at PDX and, and the Hollywood Theater in Portland. Um, you do a certain amount of, I mean, I, I don't want to pigeonhole, but there's a certain amount of challenging nostalgia, challenging yeah. tropes uh, and talking about, and, 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 and as you're explaining, any Oregon Sunday sort of juxtaposed against a early 70s uh, motorbike bro documentary. Um, is, is that fair to say that that's um, core motivation? Definitely. And, you know, I, I'm a cinephile. I love films. I love all types of films. I love the classics. I love, you know, like uh, Goodfellas and just Point Break. I, Point Break is my guilty pleasure. I do think that's one of the greatest films ever made. Um, but, you know, you looking back at all these films and kind of seeing that there's like a missing piece or a piece that I don't see, I, it doesn't reflect me necessarily in the same way. And it's it's been a big part of like my drive in directing films and writing films is how do we take those kind of classic tropes or cliches and rework them to be more relevant today, more relevant to all viewers who are watching and make sure that they're able to see themselves without making it uh, pigeonholed into just, oh, this is an Asian film or, oh, this is a women's film. And like, even any Oregon Sunday, we had like Tiffany, the producer and I had like a big discussion because she rides motorcycles all the time. It was like, how do we make sure this isn't just like a women's motorcycle dock? Like, so we like, went out of our way to avoid, you know, like the color pink. We were just like, no, 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 we're not, we don't want this to be like a pink version or like the, the women's ghostbusters. It was just really focused on riders here. And it just was nonchalantly, oh, it's all women riders. So on the grant end, when I'm applying to things, I, t I tend to have to like really amplify and like use the right words and say like, oh, this is all BIPOC or, oh, this is all women. But I think it's nice once we're in distribution and once we're on the festival route to kind of like really change the log line away from what I did on the grant end and to really kind of stay true to what the story itself is about and how it just also magically coincidentally has more of a focus on BIPOC people or women. 
I'm going to pivot it just a little bit, um, and and we're going to go into like college uh, seminar uh, territory here. And 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 you've you know like a year ago you you helped organize a discussion about addressing racial biases in, in the creative community. Um, the word concept bias and the word concept exclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? Can you explain differences between those and 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 how you um, interact with those concepts? Yeah, I think both of, I think exclusion is more of a conscious choice. And I think bias is something that's more of an unconscious thing that everyone has. I think it's important that all people just admit that they have a bias. I have a bias. And oftentimes that's like more cis normative. And I think we, we are, that is something that we're all going to be continuing to work through. And I think honestly, a problem I have with some films right now um, is there's this like big push to just include everybody in the world in a, in a film. And I don't think that's necessary. I think it's really important to have that filmmaker understand that community that they want to talk about rather than kind of just cashing in on a quick diversity. Let's just include every single thing we can think of. Um, like Bird Box. Do you remember that Netflix film Bird Box? I really hated that film so much. I have had very lengthy discussions about my dislike of that film just because it, it becomes tokenizing in its own way. Um, and so a lot of the work that I do, I kind of just like stay within my comfort realm. And when it's, when I'm directing it, but I think it's equally important if you're directing or you're working in film that you're finding ways to then support your collaborators. Like I may be bisexual, but I'm not, I don't feel like I'm the end all be all person who should be making queer film. So it feels really good to support my dear friend, Scott, who's making a queer documentary about like a famous drag queen, Doris Fish. Um, dear Doris, you know, and just supporting him along the way and making sure his voice is heard. And I think that's like a big part of understanding our own biases, understanding the stories that we can tell and the ways that we can kind of build trust and support amongst one another is very important. I think the exclusion part of the conversation is understanding that that is a more conscious or systemic problem that we're seeing in films. And I do think it's getting better, but I still think it's like more of a tokenizing way that it's being done in larger Hollywood films. So that is kind of the nice thing about my job at Collective Eye Films in terms of like being the acquisitions person as well, is like really looking at the films that I'm able to take on into the catalog and making sure that it doesn't just feel like a a white guy filmmaker was like, oh yeah, I know a transgender person. I'm just going to go follow them around for a week and then I'm going to make this film. Um, so I think it's really, it's been nice to really focus on filmmakers of color and kind of seeing their perspective and their, their lens on, on conversations and subjects that they know a lot more about, or at least they know how to build a better, uh, trust between the doc subjects on. So, um, because you kicked Bird Box to the curb, how about, um, a couple, a couple films that, um, pick up that you you feel like either the directors or the films themselves are are doing a good job um, with. Ooh, there's so many. I watch so many movies every day, and especially docs. I think obviously I'm gonna push Business of Birth Control because I'm the impact manager, but I think it's a fantastic film. Um, Ricky is a white woman, but I think she's done a fantastic job in terms of just like really looking and being critical of like. BIPOC issues and how reproductive justice has kind of left them behind or kind of used them as test subjects. And I think that film is excellent and how she tackles that subject in a really 
really fair way. You know, I think everything has bias. I don't want to say it's an unbiased film, but um, I think she's very aware of the biases, biases that she has in her brain and the lenses she has. And it, it does an excellent job of that. Um, movies for fun that I think Watchmen, I always talk about the show Watchmen uh, on HBO that I think is like, that's one of my founding pieces that I always come back to in terms of thinking about how can you like re-spin nostalgia or tropes into something very new, um, but based on like old classic storylines and, but making it relevant to people now, so. Um, hey, it's been such a, 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 a real treat to talk with you, but I, I, we have like one minute left for you mm-hmm. to talk about, uh, is it Cherry Street Film, your summer camp? Yes. Um, Tell, tell us real fast um, who this is serving, uh, skill-based or artistic-based, what, what, what's being taught? Uh, Cherry Street Films, I co-founded in college with my now husband, um, and we really at the time wanted to create a completely mobile operation that went around to different parts of Seattle where we founded it, to different neighborhoods and communities, because a lot of film programs are like, oh, come to the middle of Seattle and downtown, which is not very accessible to like lower income students. So we wanted to create something that was more equitable and fair and create curriculum that was more digital storytelling. So it was more accessible for like, like girl students to feel like they could actually direct it with less experience that like boys somehow think they have. Um, and so I'm not as involved anymore, but my husband is running the camp and it's happening this summer. It's happening in Boise and Kirkland in Seattle and Portland and in Vancouver, Washington. And, um, it's a summer camp program. He does do scholarships for students and he's got some amazing teachers. Um, we like to bring in local filmmakers, all my friends, um, who can kind of like talk to students about how filmmaking is a, a real career and that there is an opportunity to do that. There are all types of jobs on set um, and it's a really cool program. And I'm really happy that he's continuing on with it and doing such a great job with that whole curriculum. Kanani Koster, it's been really inspiring to talk with you. And, and uh, thanks for letting us know about all the different uh, aspects of, of filmmaking and the film industry that you're involved in. Thanks for taking the time. Of course. Thank you for having me. This has been the Filmmakers Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. The Filmmaker Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and X-Ray FM KXRY Portland. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Thanks for tuning in.